Hello and welcome to episode four of Behind the Goals podcast. Happy New Year to all our listeners. Happy New Year to Andrew, uh, my co-host. What have you been up to over the holidays, Andrew? Well, Alan, I've, I've had a nice relaxing time, but I also had the pleasure of uh, joining the Whoosh playlist yesterday. Oh, Very wow. Interesting podcast. That's a new new podcast, relatively new podcast, uh, with Graham Easton talking about uh, some of the talking about sports direct scotland but also talking about what music i'm into when i'm on the way to a game so really interesting uh, a lot of fun to take part in and our listeners can get involved by listening to it but it's on our it's on our twitter feed that's a bit the, of, a bit, to the top bit of a mystery for uh for you for you all what does andrew listen to <laughs> <laughs> when no one else absolutely was there. yeah yeah i know it was it was it was uh difficult to get the right balance between guilty pleasures <laughs> and everything else all of mine would be guilty pleasures. <laughs> um and what about yourself what have you been up to um just a quiet uh, christmas and new really um a couple of wraith rovers victories as well um, yeah, we did really well against uh, Stranraer got a 3-0 victory it was 3 going on 6 um, and a very hard fought victory just on Tuesday night there uh, against East, East Fife it's always nice to get a derby win 3-2 sure. uh, yeah. we, we just pipped it at the end um, they looked an awful lot stronger than they were early in the season when we, mm-hmm. when we beat them so really pleased to get that win so today on the podcast um, we're talking to Louise Strutt of Foundation of Hearts uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Foundation of Hearts and what's going on there in Gorgie in Edinburgh, um, the Foundation of Hearts have got a structured deal uh, in place to eventually buy the majority share in the football club from Anne Budge, the current owner, uh, and her company. Uh, it's Bitco and then some numbers. Um, forgive me for not remembering the, ex- <laughs> the exact name of the company, um, but it's Anne Budge's uh, uh, um, capital that was put up uh, to buy the majority shares from the previous owner, Vladimir Romanov, who left the, the club in a bit of a mess, and that's an understatement. So we're going to be talking to Louise uh, about the journey that they're on and have been over the last few years and what the next few years holds for them. So we've been joined by Louise Strutt from Foundation of Hearts. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Louise. Thank pleasure, you for asking me. Pleasure, pleasure to have you here. And I suppose the, the first place to start is really, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and how you perhaps got involved in Foundation of Hearts? Yes, um, my background, um, I came from a tax and accountancy background, having trained as a chartered tax advisor with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, I then went on to train as a chartered financial planner and then I decided to set up my own tax and financial planning practice, um, having then become a fellow of the Personal Finance Society. So um, a strong um, financial services background was really where I came from. Um, how did I get involved with the Foundation of Hearts? Well, I suppose having been a heart supporter and standing on the terrace since age four, um, I didn't really have uh, have much choice. <laughs> um, I've been a season ticket holder for as long as the Wheatfield stand has been built um, and was very proud of having the same seat until recently when uh, Anne decided to turn it into a tunnel. But uh, um, I'm currently squatting in the new shiny main stand, which is enjoyable, I have to say, so I can't complain. Good, good. And when, and when did you get uh, elected to the board? I was... Um, I've been following the foundation and, and have, have pledged since the foundation set up um, in our darkest days. Um, and the board were, were pretty much set up um, at that point in time. And I think the first election uh, that came up um, was the one that I actually applied for. And it really wasn't, it wasn't that it was done on a whim, but it sort of came into my inbox and I thought, 
do you know what? I quite fancy that. I think, uh, yeah, I think I could add some value there. So um, this was the, it was the first election that was certainly put up. Um, and at that point, I think there, it was myself and, and three other um, candidates stepped forward. Um, it was almost like stepping into the abyss because actually you didn't know what you were letting yourself in for and you were having to do all these questions and answers and you didn't know what the answers were but I know enough about my club I certainly follow it um, uh, avidly not necessarily just what's happening on the park but obviously what was happening in the boardroom at the time um, so yeah being a, a fan from such a young age and you know being as passionate about my football club as I was um, and ensuring that it's, you know, we're never going to enter those dark days again. You have to grab those opportunities. And I'm absolutely delighted that I did. So, yeah, I've been I've been on the board now for for two years, really the first elected member. So I quite like to to talk that up quite a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Was it was it purely a blank slate in terms of your expectations of the role or what, what did you think might it might involve and what does it involve in reality? Um. At that point, I had really no idea. <laughs> I, I wasn't, um, it wasn't a nomination for a skill set. So it wasn't, you know, the, the legal side or the finance side. It, it wasn't a skilled role within the board. Um, in fact, I'm sure at that time I was, uh, it, it was very much, you know, come and be the fans fan. And that kind of appealed to me because I think one of the things that fans at that point were still a bit wary about was how, how is this going to work? What's happening with our money? What's, you know, what's, what's going to, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for the future? Um, because, of course, at this point, you've got Anne at Budget the Helm running the club and, and at that point running it very successfully. Um, I mean, when I came onto the board, which was, what, 2000 and, was it 2015, I think I was elected on, clearly we had, you know, we'd just come out of, of, of winning the championship. So, you know, mm. things, were, things were great. We were very much, you know, um, on the up. Um, and I think people were very much, what's happening with the foundation? What, what does it mean? What, what happens with the money? So people wanted to know what was going on. And I think because, because of the way in which the, the, the administration period had, had happened, the way, obviously the way in, in which our, our, our previous owner um, had really not, you know, communicated as how bad things were, you know, the the guys had to hit the ground running. Um, so there was a lot to sort out before you could really focus on what's the foundation actually going to look like in the future. And, and to a certain extent, it's it's a massive learning curve even now. So did I know what it was going to look like? Absolutely not. What does it involve? A lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, you know, we have our we have our board meetings. We have a great board, um, a great diverse board, and and a really good relationship with the club, which helps. Um, it, it's taken time certainly to to, to gel and and where we want to go and what we want to achieve um, but I think it's it's working really really well at the moment and, and just incredibly exciting times for the foundation at this point in time we've achieved so much in a short space of time um, that certainly shouldn't be forgotten but um, yeah, the time element is is sometimes hard, but it's incredibly rewarding. And you know, as a Hearts fan, it's an absolute privilege to to sit on the board, um, basically speaking for for eight thousand members month in and month out. As you, as you say, you've done a huge amount. I think most people would consider the foundation of Hearts to be the kind of um, 
the the kind of leading fan ownership group in the UK, um, if not one in Europe, you know. So I think there's that's a really strong story that's developed, and it's quite nice that it's come from Scotland. And absolutely, and and that you know you're in the Premiership as well. Obviously, we've mm-hmm. got Motherwell as well that are in a similar position mm-hmm. with the Welsh Society, and yeah. I know that you, you've spoken to them a lot as well. So mm-hmm. a really good story, I think, for supporters. If we could just take a step back and see kind of how it came to this position, because last week we had uh, Dave Nicol on from um, St Mirren. He was talking about how the Supporters Trust agreed a deal for a, a similar deal to yours. Ooh. Theirs was over 10 years, um, but they did theirs from a, um, a position of uh, strength, so to speak. The club wasn't in any major financial difficulty. Mm-hmm. That wasn't quite the case with uh, Foundation of Hearts, was it? And, and, and how you came to get to the position you're in now. God, no. I mean, we... <laughs> The club was on its knees. Um, I mean, Scott Wilson, our, our stadium announcer, had, had stood up and, and basically, I can't remember off the top of my head, I was either Partick Thistle, I think, that we were playing and said this could be the last time they play the Heart song at Tynecastle. And, and for someone who is as passionate about their club, mm. you know, you, you went home with a very heavy heart that day, mm. thinking this can't possibly happen. Mm. Um, what, what was the level of debt again that uh, the Romanov regime had, oh, had racked up? God, it was, it was well over, was it not over 20 million? That's, that's, it was that's, well that's over, the figure I had in my head, yeah, it was 20 plus. It was well over, well over 20 yeah. million. It was, it was quite incredible, mm. to be honest. And... Um, Surprising it was allowed to continue for as long as it did. But um, thankfully, with the foresight of the, the founder members of the foundation, um, there was, a, you know, there was a, a, an organisation ready there you know, to, to act um, when, it really, when it really did, the tables really did turn. Um, you know, from a finance background, I always watched Yukio Bankus um, a lot. And my, I always said, as long as they're regulated in the UK, we should be OK. <laughs> because he can't, go, he can't go under, he can't go bankrupt. And then, of course, when the, when the FCA rescinded their, their, uh, their regulated status, that for me, that was it. We knew what was coming. And there wasn't a Hearts fan really sitting there thinking this this is good for us, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, we'd come off the, the back of some fantastic Scottish Cup uh, wins and achievements, but, um, you know, when we faced, uh, you know, our bleakest days, um, they paled into insignificance with the fact that we could actually lose the history of one of Scotland's oldest clubs. Mm. Um, and, and for a Hearts fan, that was a, that was a very, very painful time, very painful. You you mentioned there about the the kind of original founders of the mm-hmm. foundation. One thing I wanted to ask you was: Do you think that they that they set this up knowing that this was going to happen, or was this something that they felt was the right thing to do anyway? Thankfully, yes, they did. Yeah, they um, had that mindset. They, they mm-hmm. had the foresight. I mean, our founder members, Alec Mackey, who's still um, involved in uh, in our governance governance committee at the moment. You've got Jamie Bryan, a businessman from Edinburgh, Brian Cormack, who of course was um, was chairman of the Foundation of Hearts up until last year. Um, Donald Ford, of course, who played for Hearts for, for over 11 years. Um, and indeed, Gary Halliday, who still serves on our board. And Gary, you know, has the, you know, the man works in building and he's absolutely wasted in it. Some of the ideas he comes up with for the foundation in terms of raising our pledge numbers and keeping people interested is, is phenomenal. The enthusiasm that all five of these guys had um, should never be, never be understated. Um, and thankfully, they were there and they had the foresight to, to look at this, to 
pull together the fans groups um, and, and I think we have to also make mention of uh, the guys at, at Save Our Hearts uh, mm-hmm. Gary Mackay of course um, you know the caretaker let's be honest he, that's that's who he was you know Gary's a, he's a great guy and a, and a real you know a hearts man he, he just lives breathes hearts um, and alongside him with, with some of the, the guys from Save Our Hearts Doogie Masterton who, who of course um, is, is a huge supporter still of the Foundation of Hearts these guys were, were all prominent in, in pulling this together and saying, how, how can we get out of this mess? Um, and of course, they did approach and budge, thank goodness. Um, and the rest, as I say, of course, is history. But if it hadn't been for the, the foresight of, of these guys, I really don't think we would be sitting with the club at this point in time. Um, in my eyes, these guys are our legends um, and, and will remain so, I, I would hope, as long as our club does. Mm. So the, the the foundation, the bid itself, um, getting members signed up, was it ever a hard sell to, to fans? To Were there any, do you still have sceptics of fan ownership or the model you're trying to, you, you, you've developed at the club or are people now really just seeing it's the only option? I, it's a difficult one, I suppose, because we've, we've never, to a certain extent, never really gone out and asked our members, how do you feel about fan ownership? Um, was it a hard sell? I mean, if I go back and remember how it all came about, I'm sure we all had to sign up for some. I can't quite remember how it all happened, to be honest, but I'm sure we were all asked to sign up um, as pledgers. And it was a few months later that the funds started to come out, come out of the bank on a monthly basis. Um, and we hear it time and time again. It's the best money you'll ever spend. And I still feel like that. I still feel incredibly proud knowing that that made a difference and still makes a difference today. And we've always said, pay what you can, when you can. And and our fans do that. And I will never criticise the Hearts fans because whenever we've asked them, they've provided, they've been there for their club. And with a history such as ours, it was never going to be a hard sell. You know, and we're not just talking about, <clears throat> you know, the the last few years where we've had our Scottish Cup successes, but you're talking about a club that was established in, in 1874, a club that has one of the best histories in terms of um, probably on the park, but certainly off the park. Uh, the respect that, that we we gain as a club, certainly with our team that, you know, all signed up for uh, to fight in World War One with McCray's Battalion. Yeah. Is something that as a Hearts fan you you feel proud mm. you feel a great history you feel a great affiliation for that history and wherever you go in in Edinburgh you drive past you know Haymarket there is an enormous sense of pride in our city mm. in half the city maybe um, <laughs> certainly for uh, for our club and irrespective of of what side of the city you're on there is there is a huge respect um, for the the sacrifice that that indeed uh, I think seven of our our first team at that point in time made, um, fighting for their country. So, uh, when you have a a history such as that, it's not, it's not an ask to go to your fans and say how can we save this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost a fait accompli the minute they said sign your standing order mandate because you know if we'd done it at the usher hall it'd probably been very similar to the guys that turned up for McCray's battalion they'd have been there to fight for their team and that's exactly what our fans do time and time and time again I find them astounding sometimes I find them absolutely crazy I mean we we did the the main stand the Archibald Leach stand obviously came down 
um, and there was a lot of memorabilia within the stand associated with it that was auctioned as part of the Tyne Castle redevelopment. And I think one fan paid £4,000 for an owl. And you seriously have to ask, you know, are we passionate? Are we passionate? No. Um, are we passionate or are we just absolutely crazy about this football club? And, and you know, I think there's a mix of that. But no, I have immense pride for, uh, for our support time and time again. And I certainly uh, will never tire thanking them and mm. shouting it from the rooftops. I think they are... They're a tremendous family. They feel like family because there's one constant with hearts and it's it's Tyne Castle and it's the fans that sit mm-hmm. every week in that mm-hmm. stadium. There's an awful, awful lot of thank yous. I mean, you're, you're, the numbers to me are just incredible in terms of the number of season ticket, ticket, ticket holds you have and then the proportion of them that are, have signed up and are pledging on a regular basis. It seems to be one of the, the biggest successes there that you've managed to mobilise almost the majority of your fans rather than... a rather than a wealthy minority that, that have got the wherewithal to dig deep in their in their pockets, you've you've managed to to get a much deeper coverage. Yeah, uh, I think I think we we did a cover all. I mean I, I'm not quite sure where the where the idea of the, the sort of value of pledge came from. Obviously that's from the guys Alec Mackey probably spearheaded a lot of that to be fair. Um uh, the man's uh, tenacity with these things is, is something else. It really is a, a, a huge amount of admiration for Alec and, and the guys who, who originally founded this. But we, our objective has, uh, has always been to say to fans, you know, pledge what you can when you can. And we have pledgers who give £10 a month up to pledgers who give £200 a month. You can make one-off donations, which we receive <coughs> on numerous occasions, um, which is, are fantastic. And, and uh, every now and then just blow us away. We had um, an article on, on Barry's blog a few months back um, where one guy had made a, a significant donation to us. And we felt that can't go um, sort of unaddressed. So we contacted him and, and said, look, what you know, what, what's this all about? What's the story behind it? And he basically said at the point the foundation started, he wasn't in a position to be able to pledge. Um, his business is now grown. He feels he's, he's more successful and he, he wanted to almost make up for lost time yeah. and made a one-off donation. And, and these stories, um, you know, you almost feel like you have to get the violin out, but yeah. they're just, you know, they're fantastic to hear. The, yeah. As I've said, you know, Hearts runs from all walks of life. We have our, we have our young ambassador with the Foundation of Hearts, uh, Daniel Morrison. Daniel's incredible. And, uh, and Daniel and his dad are, are there at most games um, in, in hospitality. Um, but Daniel, you know, did jobs, odd jobs round about the house um, and basically made his dad pay him for doing that, which was then donated to the foundation. I think his first contribution to the uh, to the foundation his first donation was around about 900 and odd pounds wow. um and and he's done it again since and yeah. i mean he's incredible you know i met him um last year at the player of the year dance and it, you know they they just live and breathe the football club they they don't want to see it they don't want to see it fail mm-hmm. and uh and if we can encapsulate that within our younger fans then you know we've We've got a very bright future ahead, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, we, we cover a, a broad area. Yeah. Um, pledgers can only pledge, I think, from, I think from 18. So um, I don't think we go any, any younger than that. And we've always been very mindful. We don't, you know, we don't want to be seen to be raiding the piggy yeah. banks as such. Yeah. But there are a number of, of um, heart supporters with kids who continually have, have given into the foundation, especially in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually it's actually quite warming to see, to be honest with you. So from your eight thousand pledgers, how, roughly how much do you bring in a month? Uh, 
at the moment, um, at the moment, we're pretty much uh, static, and and I think we're we're handing over probably just just short of one hundred and twenty five thousand a month to the club. It's pretty much on average. Yeah. That's that's what's being handed over. And it's been at that level for for quite some it's, time. Yeah, we've we've been we've been fortunate. I mean, we do have we do have we do have a churn. Um, you know, over over the piece in terms of the the sort of research that we've we've looked at in terms of management of of who's pledging and when. We have a, a very strong majority that have pledged from day one um, and and we would expect them to continue to do so. We have some who pledged for a while. Um, you know, things happen that will affect us. There's no doubt about that. You know, we are a football club and our product is football. So if things aren't going particularly well on the pitch, we may well see a reaction to that. But what you tend to find is the majority of our fans understand what journey we're on. And they understand that we need to continue to do this. It's not enough just to say we'll pay back um, the Bidco agreement. We'll, you know, we'll get a new main stand. It's not enough to do that, you know, to continue the success of Heart of Midlothian. There is so much more we can do if the Foundation of Hearts and indeed their pledgers continue, continue to pledge to us. So, yeah, we've we've got a mainstay of people who continue to pledge. We have some who come in and come back out and then rejoin. And, and again, that circumstances. I did an exercise last year where I approached the, the members who'd stopped pledging, really just to say thank you, your maroon points are still saved um, and you know if if you do want to come back please do so but we are looking for feedback what stopped at this point in time and actually the the none of them came back and said it's because of what's happening on the pitch um, the majority of them came back and said it's purely just a, a change in, in life circumstances yeah. um, but you know we we see people coming back regularly we see a lot of one-offs and and I hope we're going to continue to attract our younger our younger fans as, as as they move forward in life too because they really are the future of, yeah. of the foundation and ensuring its continued success. You've been aided by some phenomenal marketing, I think it has to be. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. And I think I we had a couple a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Stuart Fuller on from Lewis talking about yes. the kind of match day experience at the club there. Yeah, they're them. The beach posters, yes, yeah, uh-huh, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> you must be the equivalent for the, the for the process in actually buying a club in terms of the things that you do for your supporters and and the and the kind of rewards that people can collect and just tell us a little bit about how that yeah. works because that's quite different from a lot of other. It um, is, and, and we have to campaigns. be very mindful in terms of what what really is a reward because it's it's not really it sounds terrible but it's not anything of of significant value as mm. such. We have to be really mindful of that, but really. I think when you have someone who is continuously donating and pledging on a monthly basis, um, you can never say thank you enough. And one of the first, I think, incentives that we we had, which actually came from Doogie Master, Masterton, who had mentioned earlier, um, was the idea of our tribute strip. Um, and it's not often that anyone in the UK can say that my team wears my name on their shirt, mm. but there are 8,000 Hearts fans who can say that. And I might add, we were undefeated every time we wore that <laughs> shirt. So it definitely was lucky, but um, yeah, it was a great incentive. And basically that was on the basis of if you have pledged X amount and you reach so many maroon points, then you will be entitled to get your name on the shirt. We still made them pay for the shirt, but they were yeah, entitled sure. to get their name on it. Um, and I mean, just little things like that. But that 
the success of the the tribute shirt was really quite something and i still think people are are blown away mm. um when they see it um it took a long time to bring it to fruition and, and thanks again to, to gary halliday's tenacity on that one um it was just uh it was really uh, another proud moment mm. to say right where's my name and i mean facebook and twitter <laughs> the week that the shirt came out was just people with you know the the red circle around their name <laughs> i'm here you know so it, it was great it was a really good talking point and you know i came to st george's last year yeah, to speak yeah. at your summit and some of the English clubs were absolutely blown away by it. So yeah, it, it had a great uh, a great response and, and you know there are still a number of Hearts fans who who wear it with pride, a few indeed who framed there. So yeah, it it was a great success. Our other uh, rewards really are really just a thanks when they get to a certain level as to, to how much they've pledged. Um we have a a, a plot ceremony. Um, when they reach a, a certain level where we uh, provide them with a certificate and they are given a plot uh, on the pitch at Tyne Castle. Um, no beach huts are allowed to be built. Uh, <laughs> not, a know, no, not a physical plot. No, not a physical plot. No, it's so just take it very, home. very much a, a sort of a reward plot. Mm. Yes, you can, you can say that's yours, but right, you can't you know, do the, anything with I it. Get, <laughs> the thousand blades um, of grass that indeed, are yours. Indeed, indeed. But you know, it's it's a proud moment. You know, there, you'll know this yourself. I, I tend to find when you're talking to the pledgers at, at our plot ceremonies, which we we're trying to have at least once a month, because we've reached a, mm. a big number of, of members who are now reaching that that threshold. Um, but, you know, you're taking someone out, um, you know, out of the, the Gorgie suite and, and letting them walk onto their, their plot, yeah. uh-huh. um, sometimes much to our groundsman's dismay, <laughs> as you can imagine. But, sure. um, but you take them out, they get their picture with their certificate and it's, it's a really proud moment. You know, yeah. um, you've saved your club. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you be thanked for it? And, uh, you know, and it, it, it's, a, it's a great day. You know, we, we get them round about sort of 12 o'clock, give them a bacon roll and a cup of tea and uh, we have a couple of the players will come along and, and present the, the plots. Mm-hmm. Usually Anne or Craig turn up mm-hmm. for that too, which is which is great. We get a lot of support for the club on, on these days. And I've not I've not had anyone leave saying they haven't had a great time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been fantastic. They're very, very difficult to organise. Sure. Um obviously we have to try and do that around, you know, club commitments, around player commitments, um, around telly, you know, telly and, and televised games. But um but yeah, we we're working our way through them and, and I have to say it, it's a great few hours to spend at Tyne Castle and just to hear people's views. Um we also have been recording each of the the um the pledgers when they come to the plot ceremony, um which eventually will go onto a touch screen in the museum, wow. um wow. and that's recording their favourite moments at Tyne Castle. So there's quite a lot of repetition, yeah. but actually I'm hoping our our next plot ceremonies uh in January fourteenth of January, um and I expect we might get some new um favourite moments. Um I'd expect the Poznan after the four 0 Celtic might well be mentioned from now on. That may well overtake our Bayern Munich. Have you identified when, the four four spots on the pitch where. I think that will come. I'm sure uh, Gary Halliday usually deals with our usually deals with our uh, our turf cubes. We have a we have a um, sort of commemorative turf cube that um, people who have reached the level of plot ceremony can purchase, um, and it's a it's a, a, a basically a, a piece of turf that's within these glass cubes that they can purchase on the day again that that goes towards the club. Um, uh, quite how they do it, I have no idea. It takes a run up to Loch Gilpad every every now and then. <laughs> Um, with a roll of roll of turf from Town Castle, but yeah, there is a, it's a you know it's it's a proud thing. It's a proud moment, and uh, 
and it's a really good day and I think the fans they really appreciate it mm. uh, it's good but of course now we're moving on to our certificates we've got the 1956 club uh, the 90 I think it's the 98 2012 whatever it is clubs that we have um, where we give them a certificate as well so they actually get to come into the museum we do those on a Wednesday evening um, we've got another few coming up quite soon I can't remember the dates off the top of my head but they can come into the museum spend a night um, Gary Locke deserves mention here because since coming on board as ambassador um, Gary's been absolutely phenomenal in the support that he's shown to the Foundation of Hearts, so he gives us a lot yeah. of his time over and above. As a Wraith Rovers uh, fan, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm upset about that. <laughs> Do not talk about Gary. <laughs> he's a proper Hearts man. But, you know, the, the love he has for the club and the support he has given the Foundation and the board has, has really been second to none. Um, and he deserves he deserves special credit for the time that he spends with us. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll chat amongst people. They come in, they get to have a look around the museum as well, and obviously get their pin badge, and their uh, their certificate. So yeah, the rewards they're they're minimal, but mm. they mean a lot. Mm. Um, I think that, that recognition doesn't need to cost yeah. anything. No. I think that's 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 a thing that really strikes deep deeply personally with people mm -hmm. is to be to be acknowledged, to be recognised for what they've done and yeah. to make that connection. Absolutely. Um, and it's like what, what, everything, almost everything you're describing there is a personal connection between mm -hmm. your pledgers and the football club. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I, th I think it shows them too that, you know, we're, we're working well with the club. Um, it's important that, you know, Anne continually um, mentions the, the sort of three circles of hearts now where we have the club, um, foundation of hearts and, of course, the charity Big Hearts. Um, and really to try and work um, in tandem. We really mm. want those to be working and, and gelling well. And I think, I think it's getting there. It's taken, you know, it's taken a lot of time to build the charity back up again because it was virtually, you know, it, it was mm. basically brushed to the side, um, as you can imagine, under the, under the Romanov days. So, you know, Big Hearts have done a, a huge amount of work um, in the community. I think the difference that they make in the Gorgi Daurai community has been, has mm. been second to none. Um, Craig, who, who's, who's heading up the, uh, the Big Hearts charity at the moment, is, is doing a huge amount of work. And there's so much still to do. Um, but the Kinship Care programme that they do, um, which is, is fantastic. And, and, and if you're on the, the, the Hearts website, you'll see the, the work, the time, the effort that the staff and the club put into to, to promoting the charity and making these yeah. events work. You know, Anne's there more often than not. You've got players coming in they make a, a big difference uh, to the community and and you know the the area is is probably it's not been the most affluent of late it's it's had its troubles as well you know it, it used to be an area of industry it isn't quite so much now and, and there's a lot of families in that local area who need a considerable amount of help um hearts this year of course for the first time opened up the doors on christmas day um, to, to families right. and, and to, to people who are homeless or, or very much just on their own on Christmas Day. Um, and, you know, the staff are in there in their own time, basically, you know, giving up their own time on Christmas Day to, to make, you know, these people feel that they have they have something or a place where they belong. Mm. Um, I went along with my seven-year-old son and, you know, for a few hours, incredibly humbled. It, it was absolutely fantastic to see the difference that it makes to, to some of the families who are literally a stone's throw from Tynecastle. So if a football club can turn things around by having a charity and, and by giving something back, I think that can only be a you know can only be a good thing. Um, and yeah, I think I think there's still a lot of good things to come and certainly seems to want to make hearts more of a we are a community club mm. um, and it's really promoting that now. Mm. We, we had a lot of bad press under Romanoff. There's, there's no getting away from that. 
Um, but certainly uh, we've turned it around and, and really Anne has, has, has spearheaded that. That's, that's been from day one. We, we have to change this. Things have to be done right. We have to be transparent and we have to tell people exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think that shows. Mm. I think it's testament to those efforts that in just a few short years, Romanov seems dis a distant memory now. Mm. It, 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 seem, it seems like a, a completely different era and it's... It's not that many years ago that it that does, he was you know, and it's. I think it's important that we always look forward, but I think there's a there's a very strong lesson that we really should never forget, um, because that's when complacency sets in, and I think for the foundation and for Hearts to to continue and be the successful club that they have been, and certainly be one of the the main players in Scottish football. We have to we have to educate our fans that we can never go back to that. We can't let that slip. And that means that we do need to continue having all of our fans contribute to the, the club in whatever way, shape or form, whether that's season tickets, um, whether it's, you know, buying retail, whether it's, you know, coming along and, you know, buying your, your pie and bovril, whatever, um, contributing to the foundation. And we have a lot of crossover, you know, and... And that has to continue. We we talk about the, the sort of mass of our, our pledgers who who've pledged from day one, um, and we really will be looking at promoting the, the sort of pledger for life. But whenever we put anything out about the foundation, we will always have some kind of response back saying, This is a pledge for life. I won't ever be stopping this and, and my God, they've stayed true to their word. Um, which which is great, um, and and we need it. We need to ensure that this happens. Hearts have to be, um, one of the main players, in Scottish football, and I I hope that the, the journey that the foundation have taken and indeed are still on, um, will will really help other clubs who who might find themselves in the same predicament, whether that's in Scotland or or UK wide. So uh, let's look to the future now. We've looked at look looked at the past and and how you've got to where you are, but your just two and a half years away from taking on majority ownership of, of Heart of Melodian. How are you feeling about that? Um, excited, apprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, we, we've a very strong board. Um, obviously, we've been working through the, 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 government, uh, the governance strategy. Um, and yeah, it is... Just tell us a little bit about that governance strategy because that's a, that's a fascinating piece of work in itself. I think when most supporters groups go into taking on a, a club it's been from a point of crisis as we've said and they've not really had that lead in time to understand how things are going to function it's really been out of necessity that they've mm -hmm. done it you've had the kind of benefit of five years to shape how you think it's going to look yeah I think you know as I said earlier there there were many things that had to be set up pretty much hitting the ground running so whilst governance wasn't at the forefront at that point in time it's it's always been on the to-do list that this needs to be approached um with the with the correct care mm -hmm. um and it has to be a, a very a very strong document to take the club forward um and we're not just talking about with Anne budge at the helm we're talking about you know the future of heart of middle of the end football club whoever um, whoever is sitting in the in the main chair um, and it has to be you know it has to be robust it has to be strong and certainly when I came on the board a couple of years back I was aware that there was you know in the background there this had been been worked on and indeed they 
you know, the, the board working alongside um, a few other very influ influential individuals, um, you know, have the, the governance committee, um, the governance working group, um, obviously headed up by, by Donald Cumming, who sits on our board, our legal eagle, who the man just has an incredible mind. Um, and it's frightening some of the, the work that he, that he comes out with. Um, thank goodness I work in finance, is all I've got <laughs> to say. But, but certainly the time and effort that goes into that um, really, again, can't be understated. The, the, Alec Mackey still sits on, on the, the committee. Um, obviously, Anne and Jackie Duncan from the club um, attend those meetings too. Um, our own board and and we have a few other individuals um we have andy adams from heriot watt university mm. he's uh head of economics there fantastic business mind and, and really understands this and the input that we receive from each of these individuals is, is quite something i remember sitting at my first meeting thinking oh my goodness you know this is incredible <laughs> but but incredibly um comforting to know as a hearts fan that this is going to be done right which is something that until the foundation until Anne came on board really was was never really the case there you know there was never the transparency um there was never the communication that we have now so governance is is massive it's hugely important it's very important that we get it right um and having pulled together a, a working document um, we took that to our members um, earlier last year, I think it was May that we took that to them and opened up a consultation period um, which ran May till August. Um, we took on the feedback that they had provided and we had some fantastic feedback, some good constructive feedback that really could make an impact on, on what the working committee has come together. But as you'll appreciate with all of these things, you know, the, the, the dotting the I's and the, to the, the crossing the T's, it, it's complex and it takes time to make sure that it's absolutely going to be right for the future of the club. Um, so at the moment, we are in a, a period where we've sort of taken a back step. We're reviewing the, the feedback that we've received and uh, we will go back out to uh, to the, the members with an update on, on the decisions that the, the working committee will make at that time. So yes, it's very, very much still a, a work in progress very much still a, a moving feast taking that feedback on board but yes we're, we've kept our fans up to date with where we are and again discussed that at the AGM which took place last month. Mm -hmm. um, something that we've heard before is often about clubs being fan owned not fan run. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> and I, I even remember I'm sure he'll be somebody you know very well Brian Jackson that does a bit of work with us with our yes. club development unit often talking about the importance he you know believe, strongly believe it I think he said something like the last four clubs that he's worked with they've all been transferred to um, supporter ownership in some yeah. way or other mm -hmm. um, so I think that was I think that was Dundee Portsmouth um, uh, sort of testing myself now Dunfermline yeah. and Hearts I'm looking mm -hmm. at Alan Alan's yeah, sorry, <laughs> and, uh, terrible memory he was talking about the importance of having the right people he believes in the model but you, you know at the end of the day you still have to have the right mix of people absolutely. on the board is that is that how you see it as well absolutely I think um, this is one of the, the messages that we are um, making sure you know is out there with our fans it's uh, it's fan owned not fan run mm -hmm. uh, you know we're not going to get someone in section C of the wheat field to pick the team you know, you're not going to have Bob the joiner deciding who we're bringing in in the transfer window. It just, you know, we are a professional football club. 
and you need a board that runs the football club to do exactly what they do best. Mm -hmm. The foundation will be um, the majority the majority owner um, and we even at this point in time have two of our board members that sit on the current Heart Midlothian Football Club yeah. board. So that will continue. Um, we are involved with um, decisions that are made at, at the Hearts board level. Obviously there are some sensitive, some not so sensitive, but um, we are very much uh, uh, working in cohesion with the club as it is at the moment. Mm. Um, but you cannot expect to to have um, you know fans running a football club of the size of Heart of Midlothian. It would just be an absolute disaster, despite the fact that we have a very good Hearts fan running it at the moment. <laughs> but that's a, a different matter altogether. That, but that involvement in the board of the, of the football club just now is great preparation for 2020 when, when you're scheduled to take over. It's you, massive you, you, and it's, it's, absolutely, no it's absolutely paramount to the objective of the foundation. We want a well-run club and you can only do that by having someone who knows about football, running the football side, knows about finance, dealing with the finances and somebody who can actually run a, a company and knows exactly what he or she is doing with that company to, to, to basically, mm -hmm. you know, grab it. Uh, and make sure that it's going to be a successful business, know if things are going wrong and fix them and know how yeah. to fix them. And at the same time, having a, you know, a comprehensive board and irrespective of whether, whether it's Anne or whether it's anyone else, that's the strategy that will be put in place, which is why the governance document is, is so, so important Absolutely. to how the, the club will continue to run in the future. And having that smooth transition means you avoid what what I've heard happens at other clubs, you know. When I when a, a supporter or any owner any new owner takes over a club, but particularly a supporter owner, um, takes over a club, every every cupboard that they open, a skeleton falls out. Mm -hmm. uh, there shouldn't mm -hmm. be any danger of that having been so so well coupled with the with mm -hmm. the football club in this in this several year transition period mm -hmm. as you're as you're as you're <clears> preparing for that, for that. Absolutely, and I, I think that that comes back to the. Uh, the transparency and the communication. Um, I mean, joking aside, Anne does like a statement. So, you know, the fans can't ever say that they've not been notified of what's happening at the club, whether it's in relation to players, whether it's in relation to issues that have maybe happened in the stadium or issues that have maybe affected the media. I think the, the difference now in communication that comes from the club, that comes from the foundation, that comes from big hearts in terms of what we're all doing and what we're all trying to achieve is, is just... A, it's like chalk and cheese in comparison to, to what we had just a, f a few short years ago. Um, you know, sadly, when Anne took over the club, when she opened the cupboards, there was nothing in them. So, you know, we, we've, we've certainly <laughs> not managed even a skeleton, to, not to even a skeleton, <laughs> you know, we really, <laughs> bare bones, we didn't even have those. But, you know, we, we've, we've come a long, long way. And I think you're right. Um, you know, we will always have elements of, I think, a, a, a club support who are incredibly passionate, who can always do better than whoever's sitting in a boardroom or whoever's sitting on a foundation board. And, and you have to take, you know, those, um, those viewpoints on board. But I think certainly from the foundation's perspective with that, we, we're very much open for discussion with our pledgers. Um, and if they're not happy about something, we would hope they would come to us about that too. And that will continue at the point that the foundation becomes the majority shareholder. So I can't see there being any major change with that. I can't see there being any major change when uh, the Bidco loan is, is finally paid over. We, you know, it's business as usual. That's how the, the club has to has to form and we need to have a, a strong foundation within there um, in terms of how the, the board will be structured. That will all be covered off within within the governance documents. So, you know, it's it's there for the fans to see. There's nothing hidden. 
there's no hidden agendas, thankfully. Pretty much everyone that sits on that board and everyone who sits on the foundation board all want the same thing. We want to make sure that Heart of Midlothian Football Club remains. So just finally, could you just give a kind of an overview of what you've achieved in the relatively short uh, lifespan of Foundation of Hearts? My goodness, where do you start? I think we have achieved a huge amount in a very short space of time. Um, to date, we have contributed um, a staggering 6.53 million wow. to our football club. Um, for a Scottish football club, mm. I think that's pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, more than, I think, 2.4 of that um, has been put towards the Tynecastle uh, redevelopment project. Um, the original agreement was obviously to start paying Anne back after a period of time. Um, Anne approached us um, a couple of years back. Actually, it was at my first board meeting, so it was very <laughs> exciting hearing that, actually, we're going to build a new main stand, Louise, and I just couldn't believe it. You know, we've always used the strap line, we stay, we build, and my God, have we built. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we changed the bid co agreement, having gone out to the members, and I think it was something like ridiculous 98% of the vote was yes you know use the money in that way mm. that's been put towards the the redevelopment project um prior to that we received a we received a, a legacy from uh, from someone which was decided to be used to to build the memorial garden mm-hmm. at Tynecastle, and there's not many football clubs can say they have a place of solace for people to go and and just mm. think about their relatives and especially those that have fond memories of um, of the past. So the, the Memorial Garden is, I think, a fantastic um, attribute to Tyne Castle. It sits in the corner. Um, it's a great place to go. And obviously, you know, the families, friends can place plaques in there. We've got our, our um, ex-players, we've got our, our McRae's Battalion boys in there. And it's, again, it's almost like walking past, you know, Haymarket, walking past Tyne Castle. You're, you're in there and you just feel a huge sense of pride. And that we're a club that you know we're we're named as poppy thieves to being able to you know to provide this for our fans is just is phenomenal um it's a really nice place to go i i think it's incredible that we have that on top of that we now have our own museum um which i'm astounded by i love the museum it's it's just absolutely fantastic and i think a huge amount of um credit has to go to um, to Alistair Shaw who sits on our board as you know you mentioned earlier about our marketing mm. well, he's our marketing mm. guru and uh and he does an incredible job um, for, for the Foundation of Hearts, but he did a huge amount of work um, to help with the, the museum. Um, one of the things, Anne, I remember my first conversations with Anne was when she, when she did walk around Tynecastle and, and some of the buildings, she couldn't believe some of the um, memorabilia that we had that had just been almost you know, discarded. Um, it's incredible to now see that on show at the museum. And if you go in there and speak to the guys at the museum, they're so incredibly passionate about our history. But to see it on show is, is quite phenomenal. We, we've had some amazing things handed in by fans and it's, it's great to see that now um, when you think we almost didn't have a club and now we're actually able to celebrate its history and, and, and show our younger fans this is, this is, this is Hearts, this is Gorgie, this is, this is what it means to support this club. So it's, it's incredibly, an incredibly proud moment walking through the museum. Bet they, um, they still had an owl in there. I don't think so. I'm, I often wonder whether the owl will be donated back to the museum. I'm not quite sure what's happened or for what purpose it's going to serve the fan that bought it. But hey, each to their own. So, but yeah, maybe the owl will come back one day. But no, we we have a, we have an incredible fan base, and you know what have we achieved? Well, we're sitting with a new main stand. It wasn't that long ago we were told 
Tyne Castle wasn't fit for purpose and would be turned into mm. flats. Well, it's looking great if it mm. is. Yeah, definitely <laughs> fit for purpose now. It's looking a very good Tesco, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's great. I mean, the main stand is... We've we've still got a long way to go. There's still there's still you know building works going on at the moment, but I think the achievement that um shouldn't be you know shouldn't be overlooked. What what the club has managed to do in a short period of time, and yes, we had to to play our games at Murrayfield and uh, you know whatever else that the teething problems that go along with opening a, a a building, but to do it in the time span that we've done it is pretty incredible, and I I really think there's a huge amount of credit has mm. to go to the board for for the work that they've done and, and indeed the um the builders on site that have have allowed this to to happen as as quickly as it has it's fantastic to sit in it i mean i'm a i'm a wheatfield stand girl but i have to say i'm it's something quite special to be able to stand there and say my goodness we're staying we're staying home mm-hmm. and that's huge mm-hmm. for every hearts fan that's enjoyed great nights at tyne castle so yeah it's uh yeah, it's another proud moment for us mm-hmm. Story just goes on. It does, doesn't it? And we could we could talk forever. And I guess uh, the the future looks very bright from a, a from a place where it looks very dark. And I think you know, kudos so. to everyone involved in the club for doing that. It's, yeah. a, it's a great story, and I think that there's a lot there for lots of other groups to be able to learn from. I so. hope so. Yeah, I mean, certainly that was the feedback we got down at St George's. People just it astounded me the number of people who still didn't know about our yeah. story. Um, yeah. But with football and, and certainly finance and football being the way that it is at the moment, um, I don't think it's a story that won't be heard, uh, heard again, certainly down south. So mm. if it's, a, you know, if it's a catalyst, if it's a template for people to, to follow to ensure that they can save their club and, and continue their own success, then, you know, let's let's share it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Louise, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks thank for, you for having me. So there we go. That was Louise Strutt from Foundation of Hearts. Thank you very much to Louise for, for dropping by to come visit us in our, in our little office and, and talk about their incredible journey. I think huge amount to be learnt there. I, mean, I feel like I'd say that after every podcast, but such a huge sum of work that they've got through in a relatively short space of time. Yeah, it's really the scale that impresses me, both the numbers of, of contributors, the amount of money that they're raising and those huge, huge projects that they're taking on, you know, changing the scope of what they'd, of, the, of the path that they'd, they'd set themselves with Flo to help redevelop this the, the stadium and put that incredible new stand up um mm. and mm. i think it's although it's not quite finished yet it's in use uh, and it's an incredible atmosphere um it's probably i, I think uh, one of the the best atmospheres in scottish football for, for mm. watching a game i think with the, the stands being so steep and over the pitch there's a great noise that they make when the place is full yeah absolutely I, I've, I've seen that quite a lot actually that hearts Hearts is voted as the best away ground to go and visit mm. often, so that's yeah. um, it must be a huge relief to them that they don't have to leave and they've been able to, to redevelop that. Yeah. And, and and as we talk about in the in the podcast, they're now looking upwards rather than down. So, yeah. um, really, really, lot of stuff there to be learned from all sorts of different groups. And I suppose just emphasising that it's not kind of a one size fits all either in terms of how to go about a, a bid and um, you know the fact that you can change the goalposts so to speak in terms of what the deal <laughs> looks like. Um, excuse the pun. <laughs> Um, we are always looking for for suggestions in terms of who we should speak to in this uh, in on the podcast. We're currently halfway through our first season, so to speak, which is about fan ownership. But we will be looking to do other topics in the future. So please do get in touch with us, which is uh, our email address is behind the goals at hotmail dot com. Yeah, and coming up next um, next week will be Duncan Mackay. Um, so having done a, a heart supporter, we're going to be doing a hip supporter next week. Just to balance it up. <laughs> yeah, we can't be. Uh, we can't be. Uh, we have to be impartial on these things. Um, 
And if you're enjoying these podcasts, keep on listening. Um, tell your friends to listen as well. Uh, and one of the one of the most important things that you can do to help us out is to go onto iTunes and give us a review, give us a rating. Doesn't have to be five star, although we would prefer that it was. Um, that reason to do that is not like? just it has not to just, be five stars. <laughs> has to be for our egos. Uh, but the the more ratings that we get, and actually the higher ratings that we get, uh, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Uh, and that's really what that's all about. And uh, we don't get any money from getting high spreading ratings. Spreading the joy, spreading the joy <laughs> yeah, a little further. Spread it as wide as we can. Um, that that be great if you could do that uh, or get in touch directly just tell us uh, what you think of the, the the podcast absolutely so thank you very much for listening hopefully you'll come back next week when we'll have duncan and uh, see you then